0: Hey, welcome to Coffee with Coach. For this episode, I was fortunate enough to sit down and talk with Amanda Grappone Osmer of the Grappone Car Companies. She is a fourth generation owner operator of this family business. And what a good job she has done to uh, maintain and help build such a substantial uh, company of this size in the Concord Bow area. On top of that, I really respect her for the culture that she's created and the brand of the Grappone Companies. Um, and just working collaboratively in the community and then within her, you know, with her own team members inside the company. Really a lot of respect for that. And I certainly took a lot um, from our talk that I can try to apply to to coaching. Um, so I hope you like this and thank you for listening. See ya. All right, Amanda Osmer, Cheers. welcome to Coffee Morning. with Coach. Thank you thank for being you. here. Um, you have the mission statement of Graponi behind you, which is great. And I want to talk about your company a little bit, which I really respect. Um, can you talk about, you know, in what capacity are you guys operating right now and, and what's happening with the business right now?
1: Sure. First of all, thanks for having me. Um, I was peeking on you on LinkedIn and saw you just had Mike Morris on, who's one of my faves. I love Hot House New Hampshire yoga go Mike what a guy. Uh, yes so our business right now we have 300 roughly 340 team members full and part-time and for the past several weeks we have sort of been running at half capacity by design we've been trying to split teams in two more or less just so people can have more distance from each other and also only be on site a few days a week so they have more family time. Uh, because so many of us are on the same boat with all of a sudden we're homeschooling and all that all the other stuff. So Mm -hmm. um we've been fortunate we have not made any layoffs. We have been able to keep our team whole so to speak and keep them paid. We paid weekly it's a Friday every Friday paycheck around here. So we've got paychecks still going out and full benefits and we're doing everything we can to try to normalize just to you know knowing that this is one of the pieces of people's lives that can be a stressor we don't want to contribute to any more stress than is already out there so that's that's good, what's going on with the with the team we are um, we have limited hours we're still open on let's see monday through friday 10 to 5 for sales as opposed to 8 to 8 and then saturdays were open and then sundays were closed as normal
0: well, that's good to hear Um, So people can come in and and shop for a car still. I'm sure you have a big online component that's that's, uh, really effective.
1: Yep. Yeah, we were lucky too. We didn't need to scramble and try to come up with, geez, how do you sell a car online? You know, because we've been doing it for a few years that we intentionally made that move back in 2017 to go to a model that was more all online, thinking that everybody would just scramble for it. And in all honesty, it's been kind of like, okay maybe a couple people a month take advantage of it but people still very much like to get into a car and feel it and drive it around and that kind of a thing so sure. well we're set up to do everything online and we can do at-home deliveries and things like that um, for the most part it seems like people still like to come in and we can we can accommodate that as well we have our all the floors taped off with six feet clearly marked everywhere and um you know people have gloves and masks available we've got um test drives that can be done obviously without another person in the car so we we've taken i think every precaution we can to keep people safe
0: that's good and good to hear you're ahead of the curve on the online i i recently made a purchase from graponi ford and oh, of course <laughs> of course and i you know went online first to to check it out. And I was like, I think that's the one, but I definitely had to go see it in person, touch it and feel it. So that was, that was a good experience though.
1: Yeah. Good.
0: Um, so you are a fourth generation owner of a family business. That sounds really rare. Um, just Mm kind of saying that, can you talk about, you know, what the family business aspect actually means to you and, and kind of how you got here through that?
1: Yeah, that's you. Well, you got right right to the heart of why I why I'm here and why I chose to sit in front of our mission statement for everybody to see. Um, so the kind of the joke around here is we're a family business because everybody here is related to someone except for me because we have so many sibling. You know, people who met here, siblings who work together, married couples, cousins, aunts and uncles, all that. Um, and as it turns out, I don't have any relatives on site anymore. So it's wow. when I started about twenty. I guess I, well, I started when I was 16 and 46. I started here 30 years ago, but I've been on and off. I did some other things. I worked for Outward Bound. Um, I did, I went to college, went to UNH for a a while, a little extended tour over at UNH. (laughs) Um, But for the most part, I mean, this has been my career for close to 25 years now. And when I started, my brother, my grandfather, my uncle, um, and my dad and I were all here together. So that was, it was interesting to have the second, third, and fourth generations all working together. That was pretty cool. And then my grandfather started aging, and though he never technically retired, he died at 92, about I think seven or eight years ago now. Um, but this was his lifeblood. I mean, he he started at the age of 13 and worked till 92, so 79 year run. Um, I'm not going to be doing that before you ask. <laughs> I started too late in the game to try to to try to pull that off. Um, you may live and My longer. dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Well, you may we may come up with some some cryogenic process to freeze me at night so I can be fresh the, every morning I don't know. Um, and then Um and my my dad was here about 43 years before he retired and I don't know if you know my brother um Greg who worked with me for about 10 years here he actually died 5 years ago. He had cancer and uh, oh, wow. died at the age of 35. So that was that was the fourth generation of all the five kids in my family and in our whole generation in fact my uncle never had children so that was it and all five of us kind of had the opportunity at one point or another is this something you want to try do you want to do it for real and we all dipped our toes in a little bit and then kind of ran screaming and then then i came back and my brother also was here for about 10 years as our chief information officer um so when he passed away it was you know it was just that period of not only did i lose my only brother i also lost my only business partner and the only Mm. other fourth generation family member to be part of this so that it it forced me to answer a lot of the questions in that time and um, what i came up with after kind of coming back up for air after a really long slog of uh just you know i had never lost anybody that close to me so that was difficult um Mm -hmm. and also he was um he received my uh, stem cells as part of a transplant and that was sort of like the last ditch effort of when nothing else worked for the cancer it was okay maybe stem cell transplant and although on paper i, I showed up as a perfect match it didn't turn out that way mm. so um so the graft versus host disease which which is basically his body not recognizing the immune matter that that had been donated to him uh that's ultimately what kind of broke down his systems and and killed him which is was you know on top of It was just like another layer of, I don't entirely know how to handle this. (laughs) So, you know, you do what you do in a situation like that and you move through things. And I think there's some sort of clarity that comes from all of that when you can get out from under the grief and all of the other accompanying just blah that goes along with losing a brother and a friend and a business partner. So the clarity coming back to your original question, I swear I'm getting to it. Um, if you can see in the mission statement where it says that we're dedicated to building lifelong relationships, and we very specifically put our team members first in that when we wrote that several years ago, and that's what brought me back. You know, when I had to ask myself, well, am I in love with cars? Am I in love with financing and structuring deals and engine configurations? And all? No, no, no. I mean, I'm just not a car person, uh, but I absolutely love people, and I love potential, people's potential, and I feel like we're all born with unbelievable untapped potential. And unfortunately, and you know, as a coach, you know, you probably see so much potential in your kids that they don't see in themselves. And um, I just think that's true of, of the human condition. We, we don't understand what we're really capable of. And sometimes it takes a great coach or a great teacher or a great leader or boss to help draw that out in you. So that's kind of been my path the past several years is trying to figure out how do we create an actual, system and a company that is structured and designed to get out of the people's way so that they can start to reach their own potential so that's that's what drives me and motivates me
0: that's so great Uh, um i i really value that that you recognize that and and it's admirable that you kind of found this vision even through all that adversity so um well done there um it seems like your parents didn't actually really push you hard into you're going to be in the family business, which I kind of love. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, you know, your parents there? And um, I think I heard in a talk, I think you mentioned quickly when I was Googling you a little bit, um, that your mom was an artist. Is that true?
1: Uh, No, she's a nurse.
0: A nurse. Okay. Sorry. I misheard that. Yeah. Well, can you yeah. talk about um, how you were parented a little bit there?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I, as I'm a parent now, we have three kids. My husband and I have three children. there, are 12, 13, and 14. And growing up, I always just, I didn't know any better. And I didn't think to ask about, you know, do all kids have parents who serve on boards and who do community stuff and who host parties at their house for fundraisers and all this. And Um, now that I'm older and I have, I understand that certainly there's a finite amount of time in a given day. (laughs) You have to make choices about how you use it and spend it. Um, I'm, I am really grateful for the example that my parents set because it was just not an option for us not to understand that what you do is you give back. And so that's hopefully the message that I'm able to send to my kids now, because I do a lot of community service and Board service and things like that. And so they're, my kids are definitely, um, they're in that phase of understanding that, you know, mom makes choices and helps other people. And that's, to me, that's the best thing I can do as a parent is just kind of put that out there as, uh, as the the lead to follow if I could. So my mom being a nurse, um, I think I a hundred percent got like whatever that gene is to, to just deeply and innately want to make sure that things are okay and that people are Okay. Mm-hmm. um my from my dad he absolutely is like when you if you meet him and talk to him uh for any amount of time the last thing you would think of is oh this guy must be a car dealer i mean he's just he's a and which is not to you know not a slight on car dealers it's just to say that like as society has described and defined us as a collective nobody thinks of us as deeply spiritual yeah. or um necessarily in it for the greater good uh i think it when you say car sales, it, it paints a, a little bit of a different picture. <laughs> so, sure. yeah. so that's been, um, you know, and also through a little bit of growth and maturity, I've been able to not have to wear that like a heavy cloak. It used to bother me so much that I'd have to somehow prove to people that, no, we're not all like this. And now I'm like, all right, get just get over it because it's not about me. And that's that's the biggest mm-hmm. lesson I think my brother's cancer helped to teach me is just that hold up that gender that I've held in front of them just to show you Everything that you've been doing incorrect and incorrectly, as I incorrectly use incorrect grammar. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just got a message saying my internet connection is unstable. So I'm just going to make sure I'm on the right. No, I'm on the right it network. was a little
0: bouncy there, but um, but we okay. got gotcha.
1: you. Okay, good. Go, no. Good, good. Um, Yeah. So I think the combination of just my dad's very philosophical view of the world and and deep spiritual practice and my mom's nursing and caring for other people is sort of the combination that ended up being me and uh, Mm -hmm. what I get to do every day, which is such a blessing. I mean, I, I can't believe I get Paid to do what I do. It's it's really awesome. I get to be nice to people and talk to them and try to set up situations where people can succeed and do better every day. And that's I feel that must be. I mean, as a coach, and are you a teacher as well?
0: No, I used to teach. Uh, now okay. I'm self-employed with a landscaping business, but um, okay, I have a teaching so from, background.
1: I was going to say, from a teacher or coach's perspective, I, I feel like it must be a very very similar approach to how you get through a day and, and look at your students
0: yeah and i certainly recognize that and the brand of Grapponi just from afar and and that's kind of partly why i would choose to do business there um not even necessarily from a from like a branding standpoint but just the approach just the feel of it um is something i identify with and i guess as we move i'd like to move into some coaching and leadership talk um and And yeah, certainly recognizing the potential in people, the connection there, and trying to do our best with with helping others um, is certainly something that I want to do. One thing, one other piece that I noticed from um, a talk you were giving is your philosophy around love and fear and your Mm. approach with business um, and taking the more choosing love over fear, I guess. Mm. Um, and I was kind of running that through how I think of things with coaching and I'm trying to get into more of a, um, offensive mindset as opposed to a defensive mindset and a less of a top down approach to coaching. And this is, this is the way, this is how it's been done for years. And I know all the information I'm going to tell you what we're going to do as a as a team i don't mm-hmm. really believe in that and i kind of sensed it as soon as i got back into coaching that that, that just wasn't effective it's not what i want to do i don't want to um i don't want to lead like that i'm not an effective leader like that and i'm not kind of growing and and progressing as a leader as i want to and i want to continue challenging myself in that way um but that comes with a lot of humility too because you might have to for instance ask a player what do you think is the best thing we could do right now whereas Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if a lot of coaches are willing to do that because um, it puts you in a challenging position Um, but can you talk about your approach a little bit with choosing love over fear maybe relating that to you know offensive versus defensive or kind of a newer way of doing things as opposed to old school
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, which of the 8 million thoughts in my head do you want me to pursue? (laughs) Oh man, you got me going. So I I have to, I always credit my husband who is the one who first said out loud to me, at least in a way that I could hear it, love has an opposite and it's not hate, it is fear. And I had not thought about it that way until he had spoken it out loud. Um, He's also a wrestling coach and he's he's the Winnesquam High School wrestling coach for the past uh, seven or eight years now. Um, and a lot of what I learn about leadership, especially when it comes to young men, because I don't, he has, a, I think one or two girls on the team right now. So I shouldn't just say young men, but for the most part, they're boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, raising a son, I was never a boy. I had a younger brother, but he was younger enough where i you know dressed him like a doll so i was like my (laughs) fifth sister we call them so Um, so i don't have a lot of experience except through what my husband has exposed me to through the wrestling team and um you know i never initially at the outset would have assumed that someone who loves and is so passionate about wrestling as my husband would also be thinking in terms of the opposite of love being fear and but when you are out there competing especially in something like wrestling where there's no team to bail you out. There's no equipment. It's just, I mean, you get headgear if you're lucky, but Mm -hmm. it's just you and the other guy and you, you got to prove yourself and talk Mm -hmm. about fear. I mean, adolescent boys in that forum under a light, I mean a literal light that comes down (laughs) and shines on you. And so I, I've been very blessed to be able to watch, you know, from one leadership perspective, watch him as he coaches his team. So that's been great. Um, and then in terms of just kind of corporate leadership, a little more traditional, I suppose you'd call it, uh, I, read, I read a lot. I do a lot of, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I try to take in information from any source that I can that I feel like will be helpful. And, the, and you use the, one of my favorite words in the world, which is humility. Mm. Um, I really feel like as a leader, if you cannot at least be self-aware enough to recognize if you're humble or not, you can't even start the work. And that took me all of like 41 years to finally be clocked at the side of the head with because I am sometimes really fast to learn some things and really slow to learn others. And it Mm -hmm. kind of seems like the, when it comes to humility and self-awareness and things like that, I was on the slow path for a while, but I'm, I feel like at least, you know, I know enough now to realize, okay, I have a lot more work to do, which is a good Mm -hmm. sign. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know if you do any mindful meditation or, um, yeah, practice mindfulness, but that's one of the things we teach here at Groponi. We have a leadership development class. Um, we're in our, we are just about to choose our fourth class. We do one a year and it's only 10 people and we bring them through a lot of different things uh, throughout the year, but one of them specifically is mindful communication, which includes mindful meditation. And, and you know what I just said about when you're aware of how much work you have to do, that's a good thing. It reminds me of mindfulness because when you sit and all you hear is mind chatter, it could be frustrating, but when people start to report back, you know, oh, it's, I can't do this. It's not working. All I hear is blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, 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 it is working, and you're noticing it. That's the beautiful part about it. So now you're noticing exactly how much of your brain space is being occupied, and if you're paying attention, you can watch as an observer to see what it's occupied with, and then you can kind of go from there and figure out, okay, now that I have access to this information, what do I choose to do with it? So that would be like coming back around to the beginning of this question is, you know, having choices about how to behave and react um, is, it's not, I don't think it's supposed to be a luxury. I think it's supposed to be where, how we operate in the world, but we all become so inundated with stuff and concepts and content. And and so to be able to kind of sift through all of that and figure out, okay, what really truly with it that's to me that's um that's kind of pure pure leadership is humbling yourself and figuring out what's really going on and then choosing how to react to it
0: nicely said i love that you have kind of the self-awareness as as a foundational piece of that i i, I believe in that a ton um, i put some questions or i received some questions from the community um, about coaching and leadership. And this is kind of tied into what we're talking to. This is from Matt Kirikish. And he asked, what type of culture do you envision creating for your team? And I love that you use team actually for, you know, in your mission statement and you refer to your employees as team members. Um, So what can you say about culture? um, And, you know, how can I as a coach, maybe what are some things that you've done um, to create some good culture? in the sales rooms, in the, you know, out in the shop, you know, Mm -hmm. um, culture can certainly be felt. And then when new people come in, it's like infectious, it's contagious. So how do we, how do we establish that?
1: Oh, great questions. Um, So for me, the, the, the simple short answer, because we've thought about it a lot and chose, we've chosen to represent it this way is integrity, kindness, and respect. And the way that we came up with this mission statement is pretty interesting about Eight years ago now, I think, seven or eight years ago, uh, we took a Sunday because we're normally closed on Sundays, and we invited all of our mid-level managers. There are about sixty to seventy of us, and we came um, on site. We did some, you know, outward-bound style fun games and whatnot together uh, throughout the day, and then at the very end of the day, we all came together, and there was a giant blank wall. We were just um, our headquarters was under reconstruction at the time, and it wasn't quite finished. We hadn't gotten anything up on the walls yet, but we had a big blank slate before us and and the, the exercise was, okay, everybody take some sticky notes and write down what it means to you to be part of the Grappone team and what is Grappone just simple, single words, short phrases, things like that. And so we had, I don't know, we didn't count them all up, but probably hundreds of these little yellow stickies all over the wall. And then we went together and we categorized them into light categories and we we ended up, it jumped off the wall at us. Integrity, kindness, and respect were the three things that all of our team members came up with to describe what it's like to be part of Proponi. And so that we knew would be kind of the skeleton of the mission statement. Hmm. And then from there, I... I was like, well, who's already spent a lot of money doing a mission statement so I don't have to? Probably Southwest Airlines, and let's just rip off theirs. <laughs> <laughs> so we did not totally rip off, but there was some helpful sentence structure. I'll just put it yes, that way. The structure. So we worked in what we knew was true to us, the integrity, kindness, and respect. And then we asked ourselves, like, who, who do we, why do we exist? Who do we exist to serve? And for us, as I mentioned, team members always come first. You know, If you can create a team member for life and do that with great intention in all the policies and procedures you create, in every time you pick up a rock and some stupid policy comes and jumps up and bites you on the nose, you do something about it. You say, okay, if this isn't helpful, if this is not advancing the individual or the company in the way that we want it to, let's do something about it, let's change it. So intentionality is a really big deal. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of getting feedback from the team, that's something we always want. Um, you had mentioned that in your coaching is it takes a lot of humility to understand that you are not the one with the answers, um, and you know sometimes you have to be. Sometimes you have to step up. Like when it came to the Payment Protection Program Act do we or do we not take an sba loan out for x millions of dollars to try to keep our company afloat like somebody has to obviously make that decision somebody's got to fill out the paperwork somebody's on the hook for paying it back if it's not forgivable i get it i'm not saying that you know like happy clappy let's all just do everything by by a vote it's not that because the i mean we don't have time to go into utopian society but if you do want to visit shaker village you should because it's a beautiful place um Full disclosure, I'm on the board. Uh, Anyway, so I I would say there's a time and a place, obviously, where somebody has to step up and be the responsible leader or leaders. Uh, But for the most part on the day-to-day, when it comes to people who are on the front lines, the technicians, the service advisors, the sales staff, they're the ones who are living this experience. They're the ones who know what's really up what's going on Um, my grandfather probably more than anything what I learned from him is just the literal management by walking around and that's Mm. a real practice man I tell you what and people absolutely even if they're not the type of person who is very excited to run up to you and shake your hand and tell you about their kids or whatever it still matters so deeply and so greatly to people that you know their name and that you know what matters to them and that they know that you want to check in on them so So definitely the culture around here is very open door, very transparent. You know, our team members, I've been throughout this the COVID crisis every single day. They're probably sick of me, but every single day they get a a communicated update from me. I like lots of pictures. (laughs) I do some words too, but for the most part, I try to just, you know, make it Part personal, part professional, let them know what's going on. And especially, you know, week by week, we were kind of kicking the can in, in terms of people's pay and benefits. I'm like, okay, we can we can pay you this week and next week, but we don't know beyond that. And, and you're going to know as soon as we know. And the literal minute that we found out, like, okay, now everybody knows we got approved for the, for the money. The money hit our bank account at this time on this day. So I, I feel really good about how informed the team has been. So probably the number... One thing you can do for your team to make them feel heard and respected is communicate honestly with them. Um, I'm hearing a lot of horrible stories from people who maybe work here who have spouses with not good work situations who are like, yeah, my my husband's in the dark. He doesn't even know what's happening. He doesn't know if he'll have a job next week. And they're all stressed Mm -hmm. out. And like, listen, I have the power to actually communicate with you. So that even if we don't know we don't know together and then you know that i'm here next to you walking kind of walk in this path with you and i'm not leaving you out there to just you know to fend for yourself because it's it's way too scary a world to not have communication and to not be able to rely on each other
0: yeah i totally hear that so uh, you know i heard a lot of communication transparency and then accessing the team and kind of using their um their input as well i I think of it as the frontier because the players on say a basketball team, they're at the frontier. They're actually out there on the court. So accessing information from them can be very, very helpful. They're on the front lines. Um, Mm -hmm. So I respect that you did that. Um, One simple thing that we did was instead of us coaches giving team rules, we just had them we collectively came up with some team standards that we want to live up to and then we use those instead of saying if you do this then there will be this discipline right Um, but that was just like a simple switch but i love all your your approach to to culture that stuff sounds really good yeah thank you um so moving forward, what can we, um, what can we expect from Grapponi? I mean, I'm sure you're kind of, you're less long-term at this point because you're kind of day-to-day as you spoke about, um, mm-hmm. but is there anything upcoming for Grapponi? Anything we can look for? And then other than grapponi.com, where can people um, find out things or access the company?
1: Yeah, we created a COVID page, I'm sure, just as most people have, but just Grapponi.com and you can, I think on just about every single page, you'll find COVID update, just click on that. Um, and that has, uh, you know, some basic updates of what, what we're doing in terms of keeping people safe. But also importantly, for people who actually do need transportation right now, uh, the manufacturers have all kinds of different programs going on. I know um, Hyundai and Ford both have some, uh, there's there are a couple different things. There's loan forgiveness, but then there's also deferred payment options. Hyundai is doing 0% on some of their models up to see there's I think it's 60 or 72 months um, so but it's, it's changing and every month this is what happens in our industry like we don't even know until the day the manufacturers change incentives we know the same time the general public does. So it makes it a little hard for us to market in advance, but we are trying to keep people really up to speed on that. Um, And then because our team members are not paid on commission, their job is literally to serve you and to find out the information that you want and need. So if you have questions, if you're cross shopping, for example, you want to look at three different cars, just you can start online for you can put in, uh, your information in that way. And then we can get back to with all the information, like kind of do the legwork for you. If it comes to the point where you want to test drive, we can have all the cars lined up for you ready to go with no product specialist in it. So you can take a ride by yourself or just with a family member. Um, so we try to make it really easy and straightforward, but, but kind of the key for me is to understand that when you come here, we are designed to serve. We're not designed to take advantage and manipulate. And I know this, if you saw the TED talk I did, um, it's called, I Know Why You Hate Me. And it's, (laughs) that's the opening line because I'm a fourth generation car salesman. (laughs) And I get it, like, trust me, I'm a car salesman. Don't trust me, just come and experience it and then you'll trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Because we really have done a lot of hard work, a lot of people work every day to make this an experience that people can really feel good about. And for me, again, not surprisingly, back to the team, I helped to design a system that was based on the person doing the work in the, in the spirit of Toyota um, because if my team can't feel good about what they do, then why am I even here? You know, it doesn't, I, I feel like I, I don't deserve to be a quote unquote boss. If people go home and have to hide from people in the grocery store because they took advantage of them in the finance department, you know, it's yeah. just, I don't have any bandwidth for, for guilt and for shame and for any of that. So we, we do our absolute best or sure, we make mistakes. We're human, but we do our best to set up a structure where the team feels great about what they do. And then by, I, hopefully by extension, the guests feel really good about the experience as well.
0: Nice, yeah. I could certainly feel that just going in to purchase a vehicle, and then on top of that, um, just for you guys, you know, being leaders in the community and and really respectful. So um, I'm really happy that you could join me for for yeah, coffee with Coach. And uh, thank you for being here. Oh, cheers. <laughs> and hopefully, we can connect in person uh, when this stuff ends.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know where to find me.
0: Okay. Thanks, Amanda. Here,
1: Jim. Bye. Take have care. a great day.
0: Bye, bye.